all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To your previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for joining us. This is Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. I'm Michelle McAdoo. Well, this year has been full of ups and downs, a worldwide pandemic, racial tensions, school closures, and more. And over the past 12 months, we've had some wonderful discussions with great advice and tips from Dr. Buttress and guests to help us navigate through it all. So today we're featuring the best of 2020. We'll start in the early part of the year when the pandemic first arrived. People were trying to adjust to this new way of living and understand what was happening. Let's listen now. This is Relatively Speaking, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about pandemics. So pandemic, that word alone strikes fear in most, right? Social distancing, school closures, sporting events canceled, restaurants closing... I could go on, but the point is this. Our lives, all of our lives, have changed a lot in just a few weeks. If you're feeling some anxiety over the coronavirus, you're not alone. Today we'll talk about it with experts about how we can empower ourselves during this time of uncertainty. Today I want us to really talk about the anxiety that you may or may not be feeling, um, how you think this has affected you, and how you are able to deal with it. And if you're having problems, we want to hear from you about what kind of issues or what kind of solutions you've come up with to deal with this um, as as we move through this this pandemic. Now, today I'm very happy to have uh, Dr. Dustin Sarver, who is Associate Professor of Pediatrics and Psychiatry at our Center for the Advancement of Youth, to help us navigate through all this. So, uh, Dr. Sarver, good morning. Thanks for calling in on this today. Good morning. I'm uh, really glad to be here. And uh, Under those circumstances, uh, you know, it's really fun to even be able to uh, talk with you virtually through the phone. Dr. Sarver, do you have some some thoughts on uh, the level of anxiety? I know when we look at anxiety in general in our population, it's fairly common, right? Anyway, without a pandemic. Yeah, I, uh, we know that at least uh, 20% of uh, people will experience some sort of clinical uh, level of anxiety for uh, in their lifetime. So, And we know that anytime stress or like a uh, big change happens like this, um, you know, that's going to create anxiety, potentially panic or fear. So that's uh, it's something to be ex- in some way to 
be expected. This is, um, you know, it's normal to have these reactions. I think uh, all of us are, are having at least some level of it. Yeah. And and something that, again, we've talked about, I believe you've talked with me on this show before, the fact that if people are trying to stay informed, watching uh, the TV, um on Facebook, listening to media, on radio, or um, watching it on the Internet, um, it, it can increase the anxiety, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, one of the things that we need to remind ourselves about is that uh, whether this is uh, we're doing this for our kids or doing it for um, ourselves, we really need to elim- eliminate our exposure to uh, media uh, just limit it. Know that we need to stay informed, but at the same time, uh, it really can have a chance to make us uh, focus too much on it. And you know, with kids, um, especially not knowing, you know, that something is, uh, you know, happened or whether it stopped, it can really increase the level of fear and panic in kids. And so, it's important to reassure them, um, you know, appropriately and give them appropriate information, but at the same time, uh, put limits on what they're exposed to. But always encourage them to talk about it. You never want to hold hold them back and um, and not have them have an outlet to discuss things. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think is really important for everyone to remember that in, in times of stress or change like this, we oftentimes the first reaction other than a fear or a panic is sensing that we don't have control over things. And uh, in something as widespread as this, that can, you know, that only can be magnified. But I think it's really important to really kind of remind yourself of that you have things that you can take control over on a day-to-day basis, even little things. And it's really important to remind yourself of that and maybe even take a list of things that you are accomplishing, focusing on your accomplishments, the things that you've done, whether that's just getting up and making your bed to, uh, you know, checking off certain work things you haven't done or being um, more active or something like that. So uh, really giving yourself a sense of uh, an ownership of over things whenever the rest of the world feels like it might actually be out of control. We have Stephen in Corinth. Hey, Stephen, thanks for calling. Hello. Um, I just wanted to, to touch back on something you said at the beginning of the show um, regarding the one of the major causes of anxiety being when a person feels like part or all of their life is out of control. It's that out of control feeling mm-hmm. that really brings about a lot of anxiety. And I have learned through the years to look at something, if, if something like this uh, pops up on a small scale or large scale, and I started asking myself, have I done anything to cause this to happen? What, do I have any kind of responsibility for, for this coming about? And when I realized that there's nothing I've done to cause this, this is out of my control. Now I need to step through this in, in my faith. That's the foundation of, of stability that I have found is to realize and to admit not everything in our lives is going to be in our total control. During the break, Michelle and I were talking about um, another question that we want to put out. Do you feel lonely even though you're not alone? Um, If you're sheltering in place or staying safe at home, which is our new Mississippi term this week, um, if you're doing that, you have people around you, but do you still feel lonely? Hi, Michael. Thanks for calling. Hello. How are you today? I am doing well. Thank you. Tell us what your thoughts are about this alone and lonely thing is. 
Well, I have a wife who's retired, and she's been retired for about maybe a year now. Uh, at first, the retirement brought her, you know, watching television, being a cash potato. But she had social gatherings. She was able to get out and about. But since then, with COVID-19, those things are out. And I'm witnessing someone who's now alone. I work two jobs, so a lot of times I'm not there. What would be a suggestion for her? Well, first of all, um, don't call her a couch potato. (laughs) 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 So, so Michael, um, does your, does your wife, first of all, I want to ask, do you feel like she's sad when you get home? Does she say, I accomplished nothing. Um, this is terrible. I don't know what to do. Or is she not expressing anything? She's just kind of um, without energy. Uh, to me, it seems as though she's just without energy. I don't think she's really saying, you know, I haven't done anything today. You know, you're doing things around the home. She's enjoying that because she didn't have time to do that before retirement. But now since then I'm seeing just a, an adjustment there that uh, is possible that uh, could be uh, done that would be a benefit to her so she can enjoy retirement better. Yeah. So I was yeah. just wondering what could be said. And you're right. I shouldn't call it past potato. There are some things that maybe you could do to help her. You could pick her a book up. You could suggest that y'all go for a walk together um, when you get home and see if you can get her interested in some physical activity. Because we know that's good for anybody, whether you um, have a weight problem or whether you don't. Physical exercise is good for everyone, and especially in a time like this. I think a lot of people misunderstood the sheltering in place meant staying inside and it does not mean that you can go outside you can walk on the sidewalk if you don't have a yard you can do anything like that Um, if there's any possibility of her getting into gardening there are a lot of people who now have gotten into either flower or vegetable gardening and our weather has been so beautiful for that Um, those those are some other thoughts and then you know what one thing that she could do if y'all have a list of friends who are are older individuals who might perhaps be lonely for real to to suggest maybe would you check on would you mind i haven't had time to call and check on blah you know your mother your daughter your and whoever that is, um, would you mind calling or or um, sending a text to so and so? So you know, giving her some ideas of other things that she could do, um, even that might help out others. Um, so I, I wonder, do you think any of that might be helpful to her? Yes, asking her to call someone would be great. Uh, a lot of times because I'm so busy, you know, I forget about all of that. But I, I think that that would be uh, an opportunity there. I so know. I hope some of that helped. Yes, it did. I appreciate it. My, my comment is about uh, this particular situation does not have to be necessarily negative. 
because you can um it can be an opportunity and uh we can reexamine uh our relationships be it with a spouse family god uh and we can really take time and discover who we are because most people don't really get into themselves they just think about you know things around them and stuff and so instead of thinking that we're lonely you know it's a solitude thing we could just look at it uh as an opportunity to explore and do something positive and uh i'm sure that we could all improve on our relationships especially if you got a significant other spouse or and uh your work or whatever, your creativity. That's what I kind of wanted to interject into the conversation. Eric, those were great words. And I think you added on to what Michelle and I were talking about is that, yeah, this is a really good time to explore uh, your relationship with with someone special who perhaps you you need to add more to it. Um, or maybe it's a time to think about how you, not in a destructive way, but think about ways that perhaps you can improve what you're doing. And like you said, it might just be your relation to God if you're a religious person through um, better prayer or a relationship with somebody else through reaching out and virtually touching that individual in a way that you haven't before. Hi, Joanna. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks for calling. Well, thank Tell you. Tell us I what your thoughts show. are today. My thoughts are, you know, during quarantine, you're alone, you're cleaning out closets, doing whatever to, you can do to keep busy. And I came across a box of old letters, and it gave me the idea, now's the perfect time to write a letter. When did we last receive a letter in the mail? not very recently with uh, today's modern Mm -hmm. technology. And it really does give you an opportunity to put your thoughts down, let someone know how much you love them, uh, recall memories with them. And it seems to be very effective. I get phone calls after people receive um, a long letter from me. So that's what I've been doing. Oh, that is so special. I think that is a wonderful suggestion. And I'll I'll tell you that one of the Surgeon General's recommendations and many others is to spend some time each day talking with or writing to someone that you care about, a loved one. We'll continue our look back over 2020 after this break. Stay tuned. This is the best of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
Good morning and thanks for listening. This is Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. I'm Michelle McAdoo. And today we're featuring the best of 2020. Now this year for Mother's and Father's Day, we thought we'd let listeners call in and tell us about their parents. People gave quotes and talked about special memories, and we even had some tear-jerking moments. Let's listen now. You know, Mother's Day is this Sunday, and and it's a day when we really honor those important people and are sometimes the most important in our world, our mothers. And the holidays usually celebrated with outings, brunch, get-togethers, whatever. And now a lot of people aren't able to travel to see their mothers. Um, a lot of um, mothers are sort of stuck at home because they are of that older generation, or maybe they're those young mothers who are working so hard um, with everything that they're trying to juggle. Um, the idea of a day of celebration seems so very far away. Everything into your life, you can't expect other people to hand it to you. That was kind of my mantra. You know, if if I wanted to be happy, I made it happy. And it's simple statement, but but one of those statements that stuck with me all my life. And the thing I remember most about my mother, she's still with us, but requires a lot of care right now. But one thing that she has always done is smiled. And I um, can say that the majority of life, she had that sweet smile on her face that always made even tougher times seem better. Look, (laughs) I'm not going to keep you because you should have at least a hundred more calls doing this Mother's Day celebration. I want to wish every mother and the fathers that's acting as mothers a happy Mother's Day. And a famous quote from my mom is, be quiet and listen. Oh, I that's like it. Quote. You know, that's yeah. great advice. Be blessed and stay safe. You and too. And, you know, um, he brought up a point that we need to remember. There are many fathers out there who are both mother and father to their children. And, and we can honor them, too. Okay. I think our next caller is Anne in Memphis. Hi, Anne. Thanks for calling. Hi, how are you? Annetta. And I say Annetta because it honors both of my grandmother. Uh, oh. my, mother's mother, my mother's mother was named Annie Kuntz, and my father's mother was named Henrietta Arnett. So they combined oh. the names and called me Annetta. So I'm honoring Annette. both of them on Mother's Day. And also honoring my mother. Uh, I love my mother so much. And one of the things that I remember most about her is um, being in college and her calling me all the time. And she would always say before she would hang up, remember the word and remember to pray. And that's one of the um, most precious memories that I have of my mother. Well, I think we have another caller from Memphis. That's Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Thanks for calling. Hey, ladies. How are you today? Doing great. Uh, I have uh, kind of a particular memory of my mother, who was a um, almost lifelong obstetrics nurse at a hospital in Memphis. And my favorite memory of her is driving down Highway 78 to Tupelo, and we love to sit in the car and sing with the radio to the top of our lungs. Of course, no <laughs> air conditioning back then. This was early 60s, and my mother had a beautiful alto voice and also could whistle better than anyone I ever knew. But 
a few months ago, a friend on Facebook was honoring their mother and told us to look for a photo of our own mother and post it. And the one I found and posted was my mother's last photo where she worked before she retired at Methodist Hospital. And she and another nurse were standing arm in arm with masks on because they had been in the surgery room with the labor and delivery doctor. And everybody really responded uh, so positively to see that mask was appropriate for to be, you know, putting right. that photo right now. Right. So, so your your mother worked in the health industry. Um, oh yes. One of one of those major heroes that's going on right now. You know, we we know there are a lot of people out there, uh, a lot of mothers who who are struggling with working in the health industry right now and dealing with keeping their families safe, keeping themselves safe for their families, but but still honoring their profession and taking care of those patients. So, Charlie, is your mother still living? Oh, no. She's been gone 20 years. She's been gone 20 years. What was her name? Billie Jean. Billie Jean. Uh-huh. I like that. That's a good southern name, isn't it? So yes, she had um, dark auburn red hair, so she had a she was a, a free spirit, and that's why we danced and sang at our home all the time. We because when she wasn't working, she was ready to let that go and be with the kids. Sounds like a great great person. Hi, Good Timothy. Day, Good day. I love this this channel. You know, I I don't often uh, get y'all sometime because of the weather and such, but I'm glad I do when I do get you. Well, thank um, you for listening and calling. Tell us, you, do you have a mother to honor yeah, or a I, wife well, to my honor? My mother's passed on. I cared for her in her last years, and, and you know, oh. I got really much closer to her in those years than I did as a child, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, one of the things that my mother taught me was that unshared knowledge is theft. If you learn it, teach somebody else, you know. And oh. one of my earliest memories was before I was even in first grade, she had us make little signs. We went down to the county courthouse in Texas and protested against the poll tax. Number wow. Tax, that was to keep poor people from voting, you know. And so, you know, she, she raised me to be thoughtful of others and as kind as I could possibly be. And I just appreciate her every day. Unshared knowledge is theft. I love it. That's the best. And she also taught you to take a stand in something that you believed. And Amen. Um, what a wonderful gift um, Amen. she gave you. Thank you. Uh, I don't normally call in, but I listen all the time. But in memory of my mother, who passed about 11 years ago, uh, she was raised in New Orleans. And uh, it wasn't easy because she lived through the era of the war and post-war and all. I was named after uh, her and my grandmother. And um, she taught me how to dance by putting her, my feet on her feet and love oh. music. She taught me how to sew, which I still do to this day. She taught me a love of art. She taught me all about gardening. And uh, she did everything from sketch to make rugs and curtains. She decorated her whole house was all curtains she made rugs she made and learned wow. how I learned the basics of cooking and preserving food. And um, I still use all those things today. And um, I didn't hesitate years and years and years ago 
when I went on my own at an early age, and uh, I made sure she knew. So I I give credit to her. She was a very, very good person, very good. Kind to What was her name, Kathleen? Noah Lee, Elizabeth, Lee Age, Lemoyne. And, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I know. She was born on Christmas. Her middle name was Elizabeth, and that's my middle name. And my, my Kathleen came from my grandmother. He's a retired landscape architect who lived in Mississippi all his life. He's the son of a farmer. He's a baby boomer. And so one of those who grew up with a father who was maybe less the nurturer and more a breadwinner. So um, just to kind of set the stage with with who who he is and 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 where he is. All right. Hi, Robert. Good morning. There you are. Hey, thanks for calling in. I'm going to try not to call him honey on the radio, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I think, you Robert, we decided we needed to have you on, Michelle and I, because we thought that you've kind of had a diverse experience. Um, we, you're a, you're a father, you're a stepfather, and I know stepping into that stepfather role in a blended family was probably um, one of those issues that was perhaps a little difficult, huh? Well, yes, but you know, when you fall in love, you uh, you you understand, or you should understand what you're getting into, and uh, I think the amount of love you have for your spouse should. Uh, transfer to their children and that's the way I've always looked at it but I want to bring up a couple of points um, as we go through because you know we talk about I I want to talk about the importance of father in the home Um, but I want to remind everybody but that sometimes that that father image that male model could be a stepfather it could be a grandfather, or it could be a friend of the family who stepped in to help out. So the importance of fathers or a father image is what I want us to really talk about. And who is that person that you want to honor as we move through? Because I'll, I'll never forget, Robert, one thing that, um, do you remember what you said to my then when we got married? Robert had a 14-year-old daughter, and I had children who were 10, 8, and 6. And so we blended our family together. And do you remember what you said um, to my son um, at his first communion? Um, I do. I remember those words so very well um, at his first communion celebration. Do you remember that? I remember not the exact words, but it was something to the effect that you will always be my first son. Right. That was so important to him and to me. And I think that sort of sealed the bond that um, we subsequently, we had had uh, another son together. So we have that yours, mine, and ours family. But but you let him know that, that he, this six-year-old, was also your son. And I think that was one of those issues that stuck with him. He remembered that. And, and so did the rest of the family. It touched everybody. Hi there. 
are. Hey, Daddy. <laughs> this is our well, oldest just... awesome daughter, Robin, who's called in. <laughs> so, Robin, do you have a special story about your dad? Yeah. No, I have a million special stories about my daddy, so I could take the whole hour. But, of course, we'll stick it to just one memory, Dad, that I think to me represents a sort of, I don't know, a memory that has been really special to me forever. And of course, I'm going to try not to cry on this radio show, y'all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I love, Dad, is what you used to do is you would take me on drives. We would pull off on the side of the road. Sometimes there'd be a creek or something, and you taught me how to skip rocks. I don't even know where we were, what we were doing. And I remember just thinking, I have taken that throughout my life, like if I've taken a long drive or I've, you know, if I'm busy trying to get somewhere, trying to take the, the off the beaten path, you know, trying to stop and smell the flowers, stop and look at that mm. creek, take that photo, you know, you might not, you might not get there again, you know, just making sure you pause and, and look around, you know, I don't know. I just think that has been something I've taken with me forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. On all my travels and everything, and especially during this time of COVID, to slow down and be okay with taking that deep breath and and teaching your child how to skip a rock or to, you know, look, look at that beetle or whatever it is. I just feel like you taught me that, and I just am forever grateful. We have Belle from Yazoo County. Hi, Belle. Thanks for being patient and waiting. Oh, what a wonderful tribute to your husband. I don't know how you got him to be on. But, uh, <laughs> it wasn't easy, but <laughs> um, I just wanted to say um, my dad was uh, affectionately known by his nickname Will T, and uh, he worked hard. And uh, I can remember one uh, windy Sunday in March, we wanted to fly kites, and uh, it, it, the stores were closed. So he had been a Boy Scout leader in his youth. And he took us on the back porch, and he gathered up all kinds of junk and got us to go out and get twigs out of the vacant lot. And we made, he made, he showed us how to make it, and we helped. We made a kite from scratch and were able to fly it that day. And uh, he even made paste out of flour and water. And I also remember that on uh, winter nights, he would take us out in the yard and show us constellations. And I especially remember Orion the Hunter. And he told us that that dog star near that constellation might have been the star of the east that the wise men followed to the birth of Jesus. And um, he, um, he worked in a bank until he was 29 when he went to Ole Miss. And um, he got his graduate degree in the middle of the Depression in 31. Wow. And uh, so uh, he was, uh, he, he always showed us how he made good time for us. And he was very loving and um, uh, very well loved in the community. And his, his uh, persistence with, getting his degrees late showed me that you never give up. I wasn't going to call, but I just had to say something about my daddy. And thank you a lot. I love this program. 
Wayne, thanks for calling. Is this me? Hey, Wayne. <laughs> hey, I'm from Ocean Springs, actually, but Susan, I'm originally from Kansas. You might remember me. We were schoolmates. Yes, Wayne. Oh, my goodness. Thanks for calling. <laughs> yes. I, excuse me, I'm making bread, so the mixer's going. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Daddy. Uh, he was uh, an amazing man, and what he taught me mainly, I think, was uh, my love of nature. Because he would mm-hmm. take us out, my sister and me out, and to the farm and everything, show us the snakes that we could play with, the ones we should just leave alone. And uh, <laughs> Right. And he was a real man's man, but, you know, I was not a sportsman at all because I was in theater and dance and all that stuff. But he was the first one on the first row supporting me every step of the way. So wow. I appreciate him so much. Yeah. Wayne, uh Thanks so much for calling in. First of all, I will say that you are a multi-talented individual. And, um, you know, I think it's really a tribute to your father that even though y'all had such diverse, different interests, that that he bonded with you and he supported you. How important is that? And I'm sure that made you a better, happier, more successful person, right? Oh, absolutely. I accepted myself. And, of course, Mother was in there doing it, too, along with my biggest fans were both of them. Every play I did, every dance I did, they were there supporting me and saying, you go. It's good. We have Linda from Memphis. Hi, Linda. Thanks for calling. Oh, hi. Thanks Thanks for y'all taking my call. I just want to say that fathers are, are very important. I had a dynamic duo of a mother and father. I'm a 66-year-old a woman now, but sometimes I still feel like that little girl that they raised, um, you know, back in the 60s and 70s. But my, most, one of the most important things my father taught me was to listen. Um, he taught me this by example. Um, my little sister and I, we used to like to meet our father coming home from work, you know, um, living out in the country. We to run go meet him and so we always wanted to race him because we thought we were fast as jackrabbits anyway he said okay i'm gonna race you this one day and so he said i'll i'll race you on this condition if you let me keep one foot on the ground one half of the time and the other foot on the ground the other half of the time so we thought in our minds that that meant that he'd be walk hopping on one 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 leg you know to try to give us an advantage but no he said he said, on your mark, get set, go. And, and and Dad took off, and he ran as fast as he could run. He could run. And my little was so disgusted, she just sat down in the, on the ground and said, he's cheating, he's cheating. He came back and told me, he said, no, girls, I want you to understand. I want you to learn to listen to what people say, not what you think they said. And so that's 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 been a lifelong um, 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 thing that has stayed with me to always <laughs> remember to listen. Not, not, you know, not to, not to, not to just go about what you think you hear, but to actually listen. So, I, my, I had a wonderful father and a wonderful mother, and I, I'll always listen. Uh, I always listen to your, to your show, Doctor Butchers, and I, and I appreciate mm-hmm. Michelle. And I can, I just know they're wonderful people. So, I thank you all so much. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for calling. Hello. Thank you. Um, uh, I just wanted to talk, say a few things about my daddy, Eddie Ellis. He, um. He was the best. I had the I had a dynamic duo, a couple of parents too, and he uh, he played with Elvis on the Louisiana Hayride in '57, and he was an oil man and a farmer and a steakhouse owner. And the story I mainly wanted to tell you was about it was a Christmas story. 
And I'm trying not to cry, too. <laughs> it's He had us kids go out in the front yard, and we always searched in the sky for Santa. And the Santa reindeer, the red hooks for Rudolph. And he went out in the backyard, and he made prints of of a sleigh with the two-by-four. Where the sleigh, he, he, he came and got us. He said, girls, you just missed him. He's he just he was just landed in the backyard, <laughs> and and the prince were back there. And we were just amazed. We were just the whole neighborhood was there. <laughs> it was great, and he what you know, a beautiful was, story. Yeah. Oh, he he took us camping. He was a rock hound. We he had our own little hammers made. We hunted jade and quartz and turquoise and went fishing and went to every national park we could find. He was he was one of a kind. <laughs> and I just wow. I miss him deeply <laughs> very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening back to parts of our Mother and Father's Day shows. When we return, we'll wrap up our best of 2020. So don't go far. There's more to come. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedies, relatively speaking, and you're listening to the best of 2020. I'm Michelle McAdoo. Well, as you know, the holidays were not the same this year. People had to find new and innovative ways to celebrate while staying safe. Listen as callers talk about how they spent the holidays or how they will spend the holidays. Plus, Dr. Buttress reads a fantastic poem written by Thomas Roberts entitled The Great Realization. Stay tuned. This is the best of Relatively Speaking 2020. Tupelo, and um, people might think we're idiots. We are. Um, I'm one of five children, and my mother's almost 87. And uh, I'm a healthcare worker, and I've watched people suffer from severe loneliness during this whole pandemic. And so, what mm-hmm. we're doing is we're gathering at our farm, and we are families. We've got, we've got one family that can't come because they've had a COVID exposure, so that whole family's not hasn't been around anybody else in our family. They're staying away, and we are. My mother's been with me for a month in our house in Tupelo, so she's going to stay in the farmhouse with me and my husband, and everybody else is going to camp with their families out under the trees. We're going to set the food up. We're going to sanitize before they go through the line. You'll serve your own food with your own mask, and we we haven't really even been eating out, and so it'll, I think it'll be everybody that's taking food off the thing loves everybody else that's there. I think it's going to be a notch better than being in a restaurant, and we've got families' tables set out about, you know, probably a big distance as a part under the trees to eat, but um, hopefully we'll be able to sit, you know, distant space with our mask around around the campfire and visit, and we're going to give it a go, and I'll uh, call back and let you know how it goes. 
Oh, Anne, I love that. And now that is very creative. You. And, you know, we are lucky enough to be in Mississippi that um, we have weather such that we can do that kind of thing. My husband even set up two extra hunting stands for deer so that all families can get in you know, hunt together within their yeah. own family pod, so to speak. So yeah. wish us luck. <laughs> well, good luck, and please call in next week and let us know how it goes. I would love to hear. We'll get a follow-up on how everybody's Thanksgiving went. That would be awesome, but it sounds like you've got a lot of great safety measures, and I think it's been made very clear. If you distance, if you're outside, the air flows better. If you use good hand hygiene, wear masks when you're over food, that's the way to do it. I think you've got it going. Yeah. So, Anne, I bet we it's going to be a great success. Let's hear from Shirley in Starkville. Hi, Shirley. Thanks for calling. Oh, hi. Thank you for your program. And I just want you to know that I am a believer in erring on the side of caution. I am from a huge family. In fact, uh, last year we had our 56th family reunion. Oh, wow. Uh, nice. We, Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, um, uh, my father was one of 14. My mother, I'll try to make this quick. Uh, wow. My mother was one of 13, and, uh, and then they got married and had nine of us. So we are literally from the West Coast to the East Coast and all points between. And um, so for Thanksgiving, uh, we, uh, uh, well, my son-in-law and daughter in Indianapolis started a Zoom call. And one by one, they added <laughs> my uh, um, uh, son and his wife in, uh, in uh, Atlanta, um, my, bro- uh, my son-in-law's father in Chicago, um, his sister in Florida, um, wow. and, uh, and then, uh, one of my, uh, sisters, uh, I had invited her down to my house uh, where we had dinner. And so we were able to then, uh, communicate with all of them and, you know, everyone got a chance to talk to everyone. If anyone didn't want to stay on a long time, you know, it was high and bye and, but yeah. everybody, like someone said earlier, we had a chance to see each other. And uh, I am just so thankful to God that Zoom came about just in the next <laughs> time because it is the perfect, um, you know, answer in the fact that the platform is free uh, and uh, that you can, you know, connect with anyone who has either a smartphone or a computer. So for Christmas, I just, you know, I, I told uh, every one of them, I said, you know, it, it's not worth it to risk this. And, and I also, you know, I'm, I'm 72 and I'm a cancer survivor. And even though I was going to the home of two doctors, I said, you know what, we're just going to wait and live till next year to get together. And they all agreed. Nobody felt bad. And even if they had, <laughs> that was, that was it. You, know? you would have done it anyway. We'll live through this, you know. Well, that's exact. You know, you said the key word that we all will live through this. And you know, unfortunately, and I'm sure there are people out there listening right now who who survived um, COVID-19, who who lived through it. 
but maybe have some residual effects. I know that I have um, a, a nephew and his wife who have lived through COVID-19, but they're continuing to have some side effects from, from the disease. So, you know, your, your um, being cautious, Carolyn, is the right thing um, to do for you, but also the right thing to do for your family. And it may have been a relief to them that you made that call and you allowed everybody to go, okay, mom's okay. She made the decision to be by herself. She's okay. So now we can be rest assured that she's safe. All right. Well, we are going to go right back to the phones. We have Raylani in Hattiesburg. Hi, Raylani. Thanks for calling. Good morning. I just wanted to say I'm sitting outside Sam's and there are so many people. I have decided not to go in. <laughs> but I called I called to say that my husband died uh in early November, first week of November. And oh, I'm so sorry. Loved, thank you. He loved New Year's Eve. And we always celebrate because we got married the 21st of December, over, well, 52 years, this 21st. Um, I decided that we would not have a funeral, and I have not had a memorial, but we're going to do his memorial on New Year's Eve via Zoom. Because we have friends from east to west, top to bottom of the country, out of the country, Europe, Japan, Italy, and everyone wants to take part. And we would belong to a relatively large congregation, and I think this would be the best way, not putting anyone in harm's way and yet remembering him and enjoying New Year's Eve. Wow. Raylani, what, what a beautiful thing to do. Um, you're celebrating your husband's life on a time when um, you know this is what he would want. I love this idea, and it is, it is a gift to his memory, but it's also, you're making me tearful because it's also a gift to other people who cared and loved him and who also wanted to be there for you. So you're allowing them to be there for you. Um, but still keeping everyone safe. So, wow, I don't think you could do a better job. Thank you so much for calling, and thank you for sharing that that beautiful story that, that you gave us, even in your loss. I know that's, that's difficult to lose a partner, but it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job in celebrating his life so, and his memory. So thanks again, and, and happy holidays. Stay safe. Um, okay, we're going to stay on the phones. I believe we have Rachel in Starkville. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay, you did. great. You got it right. And I want to <laughs> say uh, happy holidays to you, Dr. Susan, and to Java. I believe he's uh, with you as Thank well. You. Uh, I wanted to say that like some of the previous callers, I will be at home, and I will be alone, and I put that uh, with a caveat there. I have pets and I have uh, friends online and phone and um, one of the things that I'm doing is 
taking pictures of old photographs of our family. Uh, Some of them go all the way back to uh, our ancestors. I'm taking pictures of those, and I'm texting them to my other family members. Um, Also, I'm helping out a little bit, as much as I can, to one family, one local family, uh, to hopefully make their Christmas a little brighter. They have children, and uh, they are struggling. Um, And uh, I am going to exchange, actually, we've already started this, uh, a cousin and I who have not seen each other for, gosh, uh, four decades and more. Wow. Uh, We are exchanging recipes, and on Christmas, we're going to both cook at home, and we'll share the results with a lot of laughs, I'm sure. She shared a recipe (laughs) at Thanksgiving with me for chicken and dressing, homemade chicken and dressing, and I baked them in in a muffin pan uh, since it was just myself, and uh, it turned out that I could use them as a as an artillery, if anybody tries to harm me, I can throw them. They're, they're pretty hard. So, and I'm, I'm wearing my Santa Claus hat. I've already started. And uh, I may talk myself and others into sending um, selfies uh, this time of, of year via text. And so uh, those are some of the things that I'm doing. And I don't feel... Uh, down or out, uh, I'm having a great time, and I hope everybody will stay safe, take no chances. We'll have a good Christmas maybe by next year, you know? Right. Well, it sounds like you're planning a great Christmas right now. I love the idea of sharing recipes and and then talking and laughing about them. And the selfie picture the with the Easter, with Easter, with Christmas hats or Santa Claus hats or whatever right. uh, is a, a wonderful idea. So that's, you've added so many good things. You know, another thing that while you're doing the family photos, you also might get people to record short vignettes about family history, either written or an oral report for everybody. Oh, that would be so, wonderful. That's a great idea. Yeah, so think about that, and I will tell you, my children and and I, for my um, relatives, we have um, lamented the fact that we didn't do more of that earlier on. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a good time to start. So yeah. you've given you've given us so many great recommendations and suggestions, Rachel. Uh, we were driving home, listening to the radio station. And I heard this poem read by a writer that profoundly and absolutely describes the situation this world finds itself in at this time. And it touched me so that I wanted to share it with you all. It's a man telling his son a bedtime story, and it's called The Great Realization by Thomas Roberts. He's uh, Welsh, and you can find it on the website under Tom Foolery. Tell me the one about the virus again, and then I'll go to bed. But my boy, you're growing weary, sleepy thoughts about your head. That one's my favorite. Please, I promise, just once more. Okay, snuggle down, my boy. 
but I know you all too well. This story starts before then in a world I once would dwell. It was a world of waste and wonder, of poverty and plenty, back before we understood why hindsight's 2020. You see, the people came up with companies to trade all across lands, but they swelled and got bigger than we ever could have planned. We always had our wants, but now it got so quick. You could have anything you dreamed of in a day and with a click. We noticed families had stopped talking. That's not to say they never spoke, but the meaning must have melted and the work-life balance broke. And all the children's eyes grew square and every toddler had a phone. They filtered out the imperfections, but amidst the noise, they felt alone. And every day the skies grew thicker till you couldn't see the stars. So we flew in planes to find them while down below we filled our cars. We drove around all day in circles. We'd forgotten how to run. We swapped the grass for tarmac, shrunk the parks till there were none. We filled the sea with plastic because our waste was never capped. Until each day when you went fishing, you'd pulled them out already wrapped. And while we drank and smoked and gambled, our leaders taught us why. It's best not to upset the lobbies, more convenient to die. But then in 2020, a new virus came our way. The governments reacted and told us all to hide away. But while we were all hidden amidst the fear and all the while, the people dusted off their instincts. They remembered how to smile. They started clapping to say thank you and calling up their moms. And while their car keys gathered dust, they would look forward to their runs. And with the skies less full of voyagers, the earth began to breathe and the beaches bore new wildlife that scuttled off into the seas. Some people started dancing, some were singing, some were baking. We'd grown so used to bad news, but some good news was in the making. And so we found the cure and we were allowed to go outside. We all preferred the world we'd found to the one we'd left behind. Old habits became extinct and they made way for the new. And every simple act of kindness was now given its due. But why did it take us so long to bring the people back together? Well, sometimes you've got to get sick, my boy, before you start feeling better. Now lie down and dream of tomorrow and all the things that we can do. And who knows, if you dream hard enough, maybe some of them will come true. We now call it the Great Realization. And yes, since then, there have been many. But that's the story of how it started and why hindsight is 2020.